Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. And live from the lab, your friendly pediatric infectious disease doctor slash researcher, Dr. Santosh. It is time, once again, for another episode of Journal Club. Yay! Welcome! Yes. (laughs) To the world of tomorrow! Today. This week's Journal Club is a collection of, frankly, mad science. Things that we wouldn't have thought were possible, should be possible, could be controversial. Let's hear yeah. what's, what's new and the latest. So one of the biggest ones making the rounds this week. Gosh, I just, I, I don't even know what pun to start with. There were so many, Santosh. I mean, do I take... <laughs> Do I take the easy option and say how I've been pigging out, or do I go a little bit more subtle and say we've been acting like pigs? Well, you know, I, I just would, I have to uh, let the ideas just bake in. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of those are good. I think, you know, in order to pace ourselves, we should start with the low-hanging fruit, like go easy, and then like work our way towards hard. So don't go digging for truffles right away is what you are no, recommending. No, yes, because, I mean, let's be clear. Even a blind pig can find an acorn every now and again. <laughs> well, those days may not be far off as scientists have created the first cue dramatic music, human pig chimeras. What's the first thing you think of when you hear human pig chimera, Santosh? 
Well, uh, there's the famous uh, South Park man bear pig. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a big one, and that's uh, you know, if you go man bear pig, uh, if if you tell me if you're like, hey, man pig, and I go man bear pig, I think that's my number one right there. Okay, well, that's that's not horribly far off, although yeah. it is a bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> but. But as recently as last week, um, in January 28th, in the journal Cell, Mm -hmm. the first human pig chimera, meaning an embryo that contained cells from two genetically distinct species, was created. And this would be the first step in ultimately growing human organs in non-human host animals for transplant. So organ farming. Uh, quite yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, straight out of the Matrix when, you know, they had the people all laid out there and then, you know, you could drain one human and give it to the other. It was, there's, it's just like that. Well, the Matrix is probably going to come up quite a lot during during today's Journal Club in Mad Science, but before before you start imagining the true horrors and the bad films that could come out of this discovery. Let's start with what it actually was. So scientists took cells from an adult human, just someone like you or I. They transformed regular cells into stem cells, then injected those stem cells into early-stage pig embryos. So we're still talking about it's a pig, but it has a couple human cells in it. These embryos were then implanted into female pigs, where they were allowed to develop for three to four weeks, so about the first trimester of a pig pregnancy. Right. Okay. And of those, several of them made it into later stage embryos, and in each one of these embryos, when they took them out, only about one in every hundred thousand cells was human-derived. So you don't have to worry about crazy sci-fi hybrids taking over the streets anytime soon, especially with the bacon shortage that's been announced in the news. Right, right. But uh, interestingly, Santos, you might know a little bit more about this, that the way they conducted this human-into-pig transplantation was by using CRISPR. Yeah, that's uh, that was the primary method they used in order to get the cells to be able to live you know, kind of harmoniously in here. And it's not something that we think of usually as something to create a chimera. Usually when we think about CRISPR, we say, oh, that's a technology used to get rid of a gene that you don't want to see anymore. And they were able to take CRISPR and say, all right, these cells, which normally would not grow well in a non-human host, in this case, it's going to grow well in the human host. Exactly, and that's in part was selected because humans and pigs have very different timelines of pregnancy or gestation times, but very similar organs. So, you know, we can allow... We can allow human-compatible cells into more rapidly developed organs, which will alleviate a number of problems in this transplant. But to for those of you who are maybe concerned about whether or not an ethical line is being crossed, mixing human and animals in any way, 
uh, you should know, hopefully it'll put you a little bit at ease, the National Institute of Health has uh, banned federal funding for human chimera research. And this has been through the previous administration and over several. Uh, Last August, it did signal that it might consider relaxing that ban for carefully monitored experiments. I doubt that will happen in the current administration, but (laughs) either way, whether or not you support this research, it is not your tax dollars being put to work for it. These are all privately funded labs. Yeah. So these are, these are situations where, you know, there's nothing here in terms of government dollars being used to, to fund this research. Right. There's no full metal alchemist situation going on here. <laughs> Was that too nerdy? It no, might have been too no, nerdy. No, I, I actually don't know how many out there will be like, oh, yeah, full metal. Awesome. <laughs> well, you start bringing up chimeras and humans. It seemed like the next natural place to go. But it is exciting that despite it, despite mad science, we may be able to have – well, handy little organ replacement coolers that can travel with us, as well as providing a delicious meal. I mean, talk about using every part of the animal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's that's exactly right. I'm going to take some of this off the back. I'm going to a little bit off of the side here for food. But then over here, take that heart and give it to somebody who needs it. Uh, the question is, how do you get it into somebody? I mean... Most of the time, you have to cut through the chest cavity and bones. And, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a cardiac surgeon. But <laughs> presumably, there's a lot of work involved. There is, yes. And that's not even talking about when you have infant surgery. I mean, OB-GYN takes a lot of flack. But cutting through one human to get to another is pretty impressive. That's and not- we always worry. We always worry when... Somebody has to be removed from a nice, comfortable womb a little bit too early because it can lead to a number of developmental problems. You don't want that to turn into cut. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got into the I got into the placenta. Oh no, the, the, the feeding pathway for our baby—it's gone. You know, you don't want to end up with one of these things. Well, in our next bit of mad science, and credit where credit is due, one of our listeners, since Nurse Melanie brought this to our attention, researchers at the University of Michigan are working on an artificial placenta that will hold promise for extremely premature infants. And they use kind of a extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, ECMO, which kind of sounds like ectoplasm, which makes me think of these babies being in life-preserving ghost jelly, which I guess is a pretty good equivalent of a placenta. It is, yeah, absolutely. This has been used now to keep five extremely premature lambs alive for a week. I mean, like, not even lamb chops, all right? Not, Not even veal stage. Sure. Very premature. And they've been held in this sort of artificial ghost jelly without ever taking their first breath. We know, of course, that one of the biggest problems with premature babies is undeveloped lungs, right? Your lungs can only actually start making use of oxygen at a certain point in development. And that's the real danger. Most of the other organs are functioning well enough that you can get by 
you know, depending on how early you're born. But if you can't breathe, you're going to be, well, in a real bind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dr. Mytiliska, who has been referred to as Michigan's fetus fixer for his <laughs> renowned fetal <laughs> intervention work. Oh, everyone needs a fetus fixer. Right? That's such a great name. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. I feel like he could be on advertisements with, I don't know, Roto-Rooter. <laughs> That's so awesome. Absolutely. Something stuck in your drains? Call Roto-Rooter. Are you human? Call Fetus Fixer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Fetus Fixer, you've always been there for me. So it simulates the intrauterine environment, so it provides gas exchange without mechanical ventilation by regulating the amount of oxygen. And I'm trying to find a a better description, but of course at this point it would still be, I imagine, proprietary technology, artificial placenta staffed with jelly that is regulated oxygen. Not too shabby. Of course, it does look vaguely like the human pods from The Matrix. A little scary, a little intimidating. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, to tell the truth, uh, Dr. Josh, we should tell our listening audience that what is going on here is definitely, it's a little bit of a holy grail of sustaining life outside of the womb. I mean, you know, Delivering a premature child, trying to keep them alive in an incubator when you know the child has to come out either for the sake of the kid or for the sake of the mom. And we have been struggling a long time with little advances on basically the same technology. And the technology, it it comes out to be plain and simple, keep the kid warm, keep the kid moist and keep the environment controlled like that's we've never been able to replicate all of the other cool things that go inside of the womb such as exchanging oxygen in such a wonderful way and exchanging blood products if you need to and you know supplying that oxygen through the bloodstream especially when those young lungs are not ready yet So thank you for for giving us the detail on that, Santosh. You you communicated that very well. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. But I, I feel like rather than a compliment, it's going to turn into a segue. What? Well, <laughs> perish the thought. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. clearly we had a miscommunication. But interestingly, <laughs> viruses. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting right here. <laughs> For the first time ever, viruses have been caught leaving notes. Nice. Leaving notes for for viruses that follow. There is a secret life of viruses. All right. Which which sounds like a movie for Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> the secret it life does. of viruses. The secret life of viruses. Absolutely. So this was first found in a type of virus called a phage, uh-huh. which attacks, in this case, a bacteria known as the bacillus. And it's the first time that any type of viral communication system has been found. And they leave behind chemical signals so that descendants or reinfections that come after can decide if they need to 
infect and kill the hosts or infect and lay dormant. Sure, sure. So if this is true, it opens up possibilities that if other viruses communicate like this, we might have found a new way to disrupt viral attacks. The secret viral code was spotted by a team led by Dan Brown of, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. Mm. My, no, my no, mistake. This wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> no, that Professor wasn't... Robert Langdon. Yes, there you go. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's the Dan Brown character again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dr. Rodem Sorek, yeah. a microbial geneticist in Israel, published this in the journal Nature. They were looking for how the bacteria signals other bacteria of an infection in the area. And they know that bacteria use chemicals sure, to communicate messages. And this is known as – this is called quorum sensing. So right. bacteria can adjust behavior based on the number of other bacteria around. Would you say that's accurate, Santosh? Yeah, and this is uh, a very specific type of communication. What we're looking at here – is the ability of a bacteria to talk to the other bacteria around them specifically to say, hey guys, uh, we've kind of filled out this whole space right here, around here, so if you could find someplace else to grow, or maybe even... I don't know, just uh, stop growing for a little while so that we could take care of this area. That would be great. Or think of it as we're at war. We need you to find and take out as many of these cells as we can. Or right now we just want to slide in and lay quiet and survive. Sure. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it too. In order to learn this, first injected this virus into a flask of bacteria looking for really not quite what they found as so much of science tends to go right and they did find that the virus tended to kill the bacteria then they took out all the bacteria and viruses but they kept small proteins that had been let out during the first experiment and they put a new group of bacteria and viruses into this new into this fluid with the proteins now when the viruses infected the bacteria, they were more likely to just insert genetic material rather than use it to reproduce. So the team named the molecule that they suspected was involved for changing this decision. You're going to love this, Santosh. It was a yeah. very arbitrary decision. <laughs> okay. It was named Arbitrium after the Latin word for decision. Nice! Yeah, so that, that an arbitrary, arbitrary decision... Time. Yeah. An arbitrary decision is a decision decision. It, uh, <laughs> Finally, a scientist that knows how to name things and have a little fun. It brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. What do you suppose is causing this scientist, Bob? I don't know, scientist Jim. <laughs> the, the, it, it's quite arbitrary. <laughs> and then, you know, scientist Mina looks up from over in the corner and just goes... Will you two idiots just name it Arbitrium? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the genius, you know, because sci-fi writers and everything have been going around, you know, it's it's oh, it's it's an unbreakable element. It's so adamant, adamantium. Oh, it's <laughs> it's so rare and, uh, and and it's absolutely unbreakable. It's it's you can't even obtain it, unobtainium. You know, so now we've got some 
you know, I, I think that's some beautiful thinking on the part of uh, of these good people. Other geneticists who have checked against this work have already been impressed to the point that one of them says the new work is annoyingly good and <laughs> I've I've recreated the experiment just to see if there's something in the media and found she's found it to be reproducible. Now, the one thing that this other scientist said is phages broadcast in different frequencies. Sure. They speak in different languages and they can hear only the language that they speak. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So, very interesting work on, you know, a new method for fighting infections and especially new method for fighting viruses which we really don't have uh, too much of our our options are fairly limited to begin with it is and the reason for that is you know bacteria are cells essentially you can attack their cell wall you can attack their cell membrane and all of the machinery that goes on but when a virus is sitting there kind of naked all by itself the only thing that you can really go after with any you know real conviction is their dna or their rna so it's not even a very good target this would not be a cure for viruses but it would be a forced hibernation and if we could keep that going for an indefinite period well that's a great start absolutely absolutely so now i don't really have a good segue i have to cast about you know pretty far to find yeah. a method to tie this next one in i mean i'm casting so far out that i might as well be in outer space yeah you have to and you have to search far and wide for this one here buddy ab- absolutely um, i mean i'm just i got nothing i have to <laughs> you know it, it's just a big old black hole of information um, there there is a lot of information to contend with and it's it's a big universe out there. Well, we know, of course, that earlier this week, the first twin study from space, where one twin was on the ground and one twin was in space for a year, was published. Now, those are still being reviewed pretty extensively, so they're really only dribbling little bits of information about how some genetic changes involved with telomeres were made. But one of the things that kind of snuck under the radar in terms of space news this week, is uh, 3D printing medical supplies on the International Space Station. So, you know, you can be pretty confident that if something happens up on space, if you didn't bring the supplies with you, you're out of luck, right? Right. There's no ambulance. There's no pizza delivery guy. There's no Uber Eats or (laughs) Grubhub. You know, it's it's whatever you can MacGyver for yourself. Absolutely. Or... So early last year, or I should say late last year, early this year, NASA installed the AMF. No, not the adios mother father (laughs) drink fame, but the additive manufacturing facility. And that gives them, it's a 3D printer. And Dr. Julie Lin Wong of 3D4MD has been helping to create the schematics and blueprints for the devices that they can print early on. All right, nice. Things that have been printed thus far have been a finger cast specifically. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For mallet finger, you know, exactly what you're thinking of when you're hammering in a picture or doing some kind of mechanical engineering type work and you whack your finger with a hammer and you know hard enough to break it but not hard enough to require some kind of surgery you just need a a splint for by and large but if left unattended you can get infection you can get ulcers you can even require later surgery and medication to reattach a tendon so you really just need ice and a simple splint but where are you going to find a splint well now you go to the replicator and you type in on the computer which one of the several devices available you need and it goes right ahead and prints it and it uses a 3d scan of the patient's hand which is done when fitting astronauts to their space gloves oh that's so cool yeah and we were really worried for a good long time that we wouldn't be able to replicate this technology you know this is if you're gonna say you know i need to 3d print something here on earth it's kind of nice because you have this wonderful thing called gravity right so you're able to say okay i'm gonna put a polymer through and the 3d printer can just kind of drip or 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 you know when it's in it's spraying it's the the resin it it can just kind of go down and the layers can settle and you can make the shape that you want to but it really was a challenge to say okay in microgravity in space can you still make the shape that you want to and can you make the 3d printer work so this was a really really beautiful uh, demonstration that we can 3d print something and 3d print something that'll work we don't like letting a journal club go by without some space news if we have something to say and we do appreciate all our friends working in the various cosmic fields. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, had to do it. <laughs> now, of course, you do want to make sure in outer space and over any kind of research servers, you keep things very secure. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to lock it down, uh, especially because if something gets hacked or haywire, like, there's no IT to call. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, and everybody is always in this constant battle of picking better passwords versus easier passwords versus really how secure do you need something to be anyway? <laughs> so the question really is, you know, what can you do as a password? Well, in the past, we've seen amazing things from sci-fi films, usually which start with retinal scanners hand scanners, both of which we have now. 
Well, now the next step is using your heartbeat as a password. Can you imagine someone could really unlock your heart? And that is both adorable and terrifying. <laughs> it is kind of scary to think about. I have to admit that you could just um, get someone's heart rate on there, you know. And we th we think about this a little bit from time to time, actually, with uh, retinal scanners. Uh, you know, that's another that's another time when we say, oh, you know, that's a, a biological input to say, oh, just, you know, scan your image here. And then as long as you have a picture of that retina, you can get in wherever you want to. Or that eyeball on a stick if, you know, you're in the movie Demolition Man. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, that one was good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it did reference the Schwarzenegger Presidential Library? It did. That's right. I remember that. And, oh, great know, movie. We're, we're, we're not living in a world where that's uh, so strange anymore <laughs> to think about. Just saying, Demolition Man's dystopian future was not that crazy. It was not. Looking back. No, no, no. But, it was right there. But back to heartbeat locks. Yeah. Poppin' locks? <laughs> Lock, <laughs> locked hearts? Lockettes? I don't... Where, where to go with this? Researchers at the State University of New York SUNY. in Binghamton... Oh, yeah. Uh, SUNY is to New York what the UC system is to California. Right, exactly. It's, the, it's a big, gigantic system that everyone wants to get into. SUNY Binghamton has developed a way to use patients' heartbeat patterns to protect their electronic medical records, so a new method of biometric authentication. Uh, now, this is because everybody's heartbeat is more or less unique, in, and they go into this, and it's not quite like snowflake unique because, truthfully, snowflakes are alike as well. It's only as they melt on the way down that they take their differences. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so mobile health devices usually already collect a person's EKG, a measurement of the heart's electrical activity. So what's saying is you take this picture and you reuse that for security purposes because the peaks and valleys on people's EKGs are not always identical. Uh, your heartbeat will speed up and slow down, and your EKG has a signature a lot like a fingerprint. Now, I don't know how reliable this is, and I certainly question what if somebody has an irregular heartbeat like atrial fibrillation. Right. Um, certainly, you could identify a murmur, but let's say you use it as your, I don't know, your bank password, and you have a heart attack, and now you have a wholly new EKG, and you can't get into anything that you did before because your heartbeat is no longer recognized. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, the best way to think about something like this is actually more like a, a supplement um, rather than just a, a straight up, uh, you know, this is just what we're going to use for you from now on. Because I think if, if we do say that, you know, aside from using, say, a, a non-biometric scan, so a real password. So if you just said, I'm going to use this as an extra piece of information, then I think you could totally go with it and say that, oh, yeah, you, this, this is something that we can tack on or we can add on. 
and I shouldn't have to say this, but I will, since by its very nature, an EKG can only come from a living person. You can't rip someone's heart out and have it keep beating and use that to create an EKG and get your password. Right, it's just not going to work. I suppose it could be used in tandem with another form of identification, which would probably solve the plucked out eyeball or severed finger problem. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Right? Because then you hold up the pic- or I, your picture of an eyeball, Mr. You know, I have delicate sensitivities. Um, <laughs> I, I, but you hold up your picture of an eyeball, yeah. and then the retinal scan clears it, but it then presents for an EKG. Right. This is interesting. I like I like where this is going. I like it too. It's it's not bad actually. But I'm still worried about how somebody will eventually break that system because somebody always cracks the system. That's true. That's true. So we can't just kind but, of sit back on our laurels and say, "Oh, this is this is the way we're going to do things from now on." Well, Santosh, if I recall correctly, you're a pretty big fantasy fan, correct? I am. Well, I've got great news for you. Yeah. In the past, we've done, is it a medical condition or a rock band? Is it a medical condition or a Harry Potter spell? Sure. Well, in the latest, in the latest quiz for you, mm-hmm. I have an even more impossible one. Which is it, prescription drug or Tolkien elf? Oh, that sounds so cool. And okay. I, know, I know you're a big Lord of the Rings fan. And The Hobbit, and hopefully The Silmarillion. Yes, because, yes uh, I have read The Silmarillion, yes. Because you will probably do much better on this than I do. Then. Okay. All so, right. here we go. Let's see how it works out. Okay. Prescription drug or token elf? Uh, now, are you going to be using both prescription drugs from... Around the world, Santosh, travel medicine. Okay, hold on, hold on. We got around the world. That's totally cool with me that we're going around the world. Are you also going to be doing generic names as well as commercial names? I suppose you'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Praz, you joined just in time. Oh, look at that. Hey, Praz. We are preparing to do prescription drug or Tolkien Elf. Let's see how well you know your medications and your Lord of the Rings. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Aristor. Elf. Yeah, uh, Aristor is an elf. I'm almost certain. Silmarillion. Correct. Aristor was an elf of Rivendell and part of the Council of Elrond. Isentress. Drug or elf? <laughs> Isentress is, is an elf. Elf. Oh, I'm sorry. Isentress is a type of HIV medication. Oh. It's an integrase inhibitor. Oh, that's the... Uh... Qvar, drug or elf? Qvar is a drug. Right. Yes, Qvar is an inhaled corticosteroid for asthma. Yeah. Celeborn, drug or elf? Elf. Elf. Correct. Yeah. Celeborn and his wife, Galadriel, the were the guardians of Lothlorien. Orifer. <laughs> I don't know. If Orifer was a Tolkien character, he'd be a dwarf. I'd say drug. Yeah, that's a drug. Oh, it was an elf. King of the Sylvan Elves appears in Tolkien's Unfinished Tales. Oh, I've never read the Unfinished Tales. Are they good? Well, of course not. They were unfinished. Ah! <laughs> yeah, Anakinra, drug or elf? 
Anakin is a drug. That is the that is recombinant IL one receptor antagonist. You are correct. It's used for rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, fin- uh, for for those who are interested in listening uh, on the medical side, it may soon be used in pediatrics. Thank you very much uh, for um, Kawasaki's disease. That's not the disease of people on motorcycles. You understand? No. It's a disease of children. <laughs> That's a disease of children. It causes inflammation. Throughout the entire body, yeah, it's it's a very bad uh, disease to have. It prevents children from riding motorcycles, certainly. It it does. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty safe bet. All right, moving on. Finarfin, drug or elf? Finarfin is an ancient elf. He's Finarfin was uh, son of Finway. Yes, high king of the Noldor, who founded his own house. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Drug or elf? Oberdon. Oberdon's an elf. Elf. It's a drug. What? It's a British drug used to treat coughs caused by the common cold. <laughs> a British drug? See, that's what threw yeah. me off. You should have said Oberdon. <laughs> no, no, no. He, uh, Praz, you didn't hear it when he said it. He very proudly at the beginning of this said, I just may be giving you uh, British or drugs from around the world. So, uh, it's it's okay. basically it's our Robitussin. Yeah. Idabenone. Or Idabenone. Idabenone is a drug. See, the question is are you are you really knowing it's a drug or am I just mispronouncing things <laughs> so horribly you just can't tell? <laughs> no, no, I'm, drug sure, right I'm, now. I'm almost You are, you want you sure you want to commit to drug? Pros, I, I I I think you I, I think it's drug. What do you think, Pros? I'll go with drug. I yeah. agree. You are correct. It's pronounced idebanone. It's a uh, it's a synthetic coenzyme. Yeah. You tried to throw us off. And everything. I did, I did. But you saw right through my clever ruse. Over halfway through, you guys. Okay. Imin, drug or elf? Drug. I don't think that anybody would imin. If if that's a drug that comes from India or something like that. I do not recall an imin in Tolkien at all. So you're saying drug or elf? I'm going drug. So you both said drug? It's an elf. Imin was an elf of Kuvian, the first elf to awaken. You have to be, like, really deep into Tolkien love. Almost done. Just a few more. Downil. Drug or elf? Uh, Drug. uh, That's very elfish. That's extremely elfish. Um, Drug. Nice. Yep, it's used to help elves with type 2 diabetes. <laughs> Do you have the generic on that one? It's like a glyburide. It's a sulfonylurea. Raxar, drug or elf? <laughs> uh, Raxar oh. is not at all an elven name. Be a pretty badass elf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch yeah. out, you guys. Here comes Raxar. Uh, Ra- Raxar <laughs> would be a human name, like of a ranger... Or something like that. It wouldn't... Well, it is a discontinued antibiotic. Yeah. All right. Dwaylin. D-U-I-L-I-N. Dwaylin is for sure. I know him in the in the family tree of, of elves. Oh. Yes. Chief of the House of Swallow. <laughs> Come on now. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Zorak. Uh, Drug. Zorak is not an elvish name. Correct. It's a cream for psoriasis. <laughs> yeah. uh, Zeljans. <laughs> I, 
I, I feel like drug. What do you think, Praz? Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. I agree. Drug. Zeljans is an anti-arthritis mid, and uh, comes up pretty up. That's a fairly well-known trade name. I thought I was lobbing you a softball. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we said drug. You did say you did say drug, but you took a really long time oh, to no. think about it. <laughs> You're just like Zeljans. Zel. That's like a sitting around like you know Rogaine, <laughs> Viagra. What about Melaril? Melaril is a drug. That sounds like a drug. Melaril we know very well. That's an old one. There you go. That, that is an old one. I thought you would be tricked. Yeah. But no, <laughs> too clever again. How about Nerdanel? Nerdanel? Nerdanel. Sounds like a drug. Nerdanel. Nerdanel. <laughs> spelled, ex- spelled exactly how you think. Elf. Elf. <laughs> drug. Drug. What would it be used to treat, Proz? <laughs> Nerdanel. Nerd, uh, Nerd based on the description, acne, nearsightedness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are you right, Santosh. It's an elf. Yeah. Um, what about Vfend? Vfend is voriconazole. That's a drug. Okay, there you go. Sure. <laughs> Russ is like, yeah, absolutely. If, if Why I not? I didn't know that uh, one, I'd hand over my boards. <laughs> That's it. Let's move on to Fabior. Fabior? Fabior. Oh, boy. Fabior. Gotta be an elf, right? And I hope you at home are trying to picture either the accompanying elf or drug or a disease condition <laughs> based on what oh, your vote man. is. It's, it's hard to. <laughs> Nonsense, uh, an elf. Yeah. Fabior is a drug. <laughs> Fabior is a drug for acne. Wow. Fabior. Based on the name, I would think it would be a drug that makes you grow long, flowing hair. Well, it clears up your skin, and you use it, and you say, I can't believe it got yeah. better. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. And last one, Celebrian, or Celebrian, <laughs> I don't know. Depends really on how you want uh, to pronounce it. <laughs> Celebrian's gonna be a, a drug. Yeah, drug. No, it's the Lady of Rivendell, daughter of Galadriel and Celeborn. Oh shoot! I I knew her too. Grand total, eighteen out of thirty. Little bit better than half. That brings us to the end of this particular episode, and let's enjoy a just the tip from our travel correspondent. Hi, Travel Medicine. This is Sarah, your sometimes correspondent and full-time flight attendant. I just got back from Havana, Cuba, and I'm calling in with some tips if you decide to go. Americans can now travel to Cuba if you have a specific reason and you pay the $100 visa fee. I was going for a person-to-person interaction, and I was not disappointed I had nothing but interaction with people in Cuba. So I fulfilled my mission. When you go, make sure you are in good health. They do have you fill out a health evaluation form. I might have fudged mine a little bit. I was throwing up the day before, but I wasn't sick. That was just a little bit too much birthday drinking. So I was in the clear, I thought. When you go there, uh, make sure you pack any seasonings you normally use in daily life. Um, Salt, pepper, hot sauce, salad dressing. There is none to be found, none to be found in Cuba. 
So pack those if you think you'll need it. I recommend that. Also, make sure you travel in one of the unique taxis. They have the bike taxis, of course, like they have everywhere, but they also have classic car taxis, which are really amazing. All these 1950s cars are rolling around just waiting to take you on an hour or two hour tour of the city where your guide can explain lots of interesting facts. Also, they're the Coco taxis. They uh, are a motorized coconut, but what they really look like is a Pac-Man motorcycle driving all around the city. They're great. When you go to Cuba, there are two currencies. And one is for the locals, which you're not going to be able to really get. And two, the other one is for the tourists coming in. That is the currency you're going to get at the airport. The thing that you need to remember is that the local's currency is worth 25 times what the currency of the tourists is. So if you see something that looks outlandish, like a rum bottle for 75 or a pizza for 30, you got to divide that by 25, and that is the real cost of the product. You might have to haggle a little bit, but it is worth it once you get the hang of it. Also, make sure to go over to Christ of Havana, a little ferry ride across from Old Havana. You get the best view of the city and a lot of other amazing historical artifacts there. I could go on and on, but please go while the getting is good if you want to go to Cuba and enjoy. Happy travels to you, Sarah. I feel like I'm about to debark from yeah. the plane right into Cuba at the end He's of the episode. I love it. Hmm. As for everyone else as always we love to hear your comments questions and feedback you can reach us on facebook on squarespace on twitter on patreon anywhere podcasts are downloaded we'd love to hear your reviews your ratings and we would love for you to support us spiritually emotionally and financially included in the show notes are a whole bunch of places you can do that our theme music is composed by rachel leisure this show is produced by me me yeah. <laughs> <The> help <laughs> With a lot of help from all my co-hosts and those of you who submit stories, thank you very much. And until next time, as always, happy travels. Bye, guys. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.